On this episode of The Cleanup, we talk to the great World Series MVP, Scott Brocious. Uh, we get in, talk about the recaps of the NL and ALCSs, uh, all both game sevens. Um, talk about where the Braves and Astros are after these games. Give a little World Series preview. Um, we talk about Ben pissing off the football gods. Um, Nerve does his nugget. Ben does a little proposal. And we do a candy draft. Then we answer your guys' questions and give some final thoughts. Let's go. All right, everybody, welcome back to the cleanup. Um, I'm very excited this week. I'm very excited. You guys want to know why? Oh, I want to know why, Ben. Scott Brocious on the podcast this week. World Series MVP for our World Series episode. It's a special episode. We're excited. We're down to two teams. It's, it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. World Series, great time. World Series ending, no more baseball. Yeah, the offseason. Uh, I mean, we, we love one love, more week. We love the offseason, but we will be missing baseball. We didn't get as much this year, too. It's, it's, it's going to be a little longer offseason for sure. Didn't really, didn't really fully satisfy what I wanted, but it's better than nothing. And I um, love the matchup. Bef- before we jump into the baseball talk, Ben, 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 I'm sorry about the Packers. Yeah. Um, I would like to say that if there are football gods, I absolutely might have don't just do it. kicked them in the ball. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. No, I, I know. But I, I made a comment a couple podcasts ago about Tom Brady throwing more inter, uh, pick sixes than in like one game or something than Aaron Rodgers had in his entire career. And then uh, Aaron just about threw two. So, um, away. yeah, you know, you, you, yeah, I was so, thinking you know, of you that, when I saw that, it. Was, that, that was, that was on me. Um, but you know, we're moving on. Can't, you're not going to go undefeated in the NFL. And True. if you do, you'll probably lose to Eli Manning in the Super Bowl. You just lose so. The biggest loser you can lose to, actually. Um, yeah. And then, insult to injury, our, our, our team podcast, or our, our, our team, uh, the Browns. Demolished. Looked like shit. They just got bent over by the Steelers. I, well, that's probably not the best way to say it with the, the, with the quarterback of the Steelers, but... <laughs> it, 
Anyways, um, it was a rough week for Cleveland Browns. Just, just it was, yeah. The Browns. Oh God, there's so many jokes in there. All right, let's move on to baseball. We had two game sevens. We did. That was exciting. I mean, I don't even remember the last time it happened. I don't know either. And they were both huge comebacks, like 3-0 and 3-1. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of people who swayed towards the Astros, so they would see an Astros other rematch. There was a lot of people doing that. And understand. did I not – I didn't end up caring what the matchup was because if that was the storyline, that was the best storyline to come out of a 60-game season. Oh, yeah. MLB but, couldn't have scripted it any better. Yeah. But we ended up with the Tampa Bay Rays and the Los Angeles Dodgers. So which championship series do we want to talk about first? No. I want to talk NL? about the – let's just start with a little – eulogy for the uh the atlanta braves and i know not even just the atlanta braves atlanta sports sports fans i am so sorry i mean you should have known it was happening when the falcons won that was you were not getting two wins in that day yeah just just the lead one time that's kind of the thing yeah. It's not on you, but, but but there are a lot of reasons for optimism. We're, we're an optimistic show. Um, the Atlanta Braves have a lot to look forward to. I think we saw, hopefully, young star uh, Kristen Pache um, yeah. coming up making his debut. Some good young arms. Ian Anderson is going to give them a chance to win a lot of games for a lot of years. Uh, you got Mike Soroka coming back. Hopefully next year, Max Freed looks great. All I'm saying is, for those Atlanta Braves, lock up Marcelo Zuna. Give him some money. Can can we get back to that Ian Anderson point? Um, get Soroka back, which we've thought of him as an ace. Max Freed came out and said, "Oh wait, no, I'm I'm an ace." So now they have a one A and a one B. Are they really looking at a situation with a homegrown one A, B, and C situation? I think so. That's pretty I so. spectacular. I mean, Kyle, Kyle right now. Actually, he looked oh, well, pretty I mean, good. He does. Exactly. He's 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 been really really solid for them. That's. I mean, even if he's just a three at that point. With the ceiling of a two, that's not even that's not even bad. In a- I think for the Atlanta Braves too, like the thing that I feel like they've really struggled with in the past, like I don't know, call it four or five years, is just starting pitching depth. They haven't had those guys that have been able to go win them games in the postseason, and now I think they have that. So it's just a matter of finding those right pieces for those right spots, and I think uh, I think they're going to be around for a while. I don't see any reason why not. And there's also there there's reason to be optimistic about the the failed pitchers they've had this year. The Sean Newcombs, the Tuki Toussaints. Like those guys can come back and not have to fill a role that is that fantastic anymore. They can be a good bullpen guy or a yeah, five. You're not worrying about your bullpen because that bullpen is legit. 
yeah okay i mean we saw the will smith on will smith crime but up until that point will smith debatably was the best reliever in the postseason oh yeah there's a lot to look forward to atlanta braves fans i think your time is coming 100 percent. 100 percent. all right um I kind of want to get into some uh, base running blunders that happened in that game seven. Uh, I want to say those were had to be some type of pressure plays, contact plays, and that's why they, those guys were moving on contact like like that. But it just didn't work out. I mean, yeah. the internet blew up and tried to say that was the reason why they lost, but it, it went both ways. Yeah, and they also had a pretty phenomenal – I thought that was pretty impressive to see Acuna score on that ball. That was an incredible round of third base in that first inning. And then obviously like mm-hmm. you said some base running blunders ended up hurting them, but not the reason why they won the game or lost the game. The Dodgers have a good I mean, team. <clears throat> I mean, the Dodgers are the Dodgers this year. They've been they do fantastic. Have yeah. And then they have guys like Kike Hernandez coming off the bench and just hitting nukes. Yeah. Also, let's talk that that Cody Bellinger at bat. There's so much to break down in that whole like 20 seconds. Um, First, the bat flip, legendary. That was awesome. It was a mic drop. But also, they had Will Smith ready to go in the bullpen. Yep. Why did they not? You just. What's incredible to me about that at bat is you do get to that point where you can bat flip that ball if you don't absolutely cover every portion of the strike zone and fight with two strikes. Exactly. Very impressive, very impressive at bat. Yeah, I don't really yeah. think you can put that on Brian Snicker for the bullpen because it was a heck of an at bat both ways. Yeah, he, he Bellinger really fought off some good pitches. I mean, there was during that at bat. At one point, he he missed outside pretty wide, and uh, my first reaction was like, "Oh, he's gonna miss over the plate next, trying to like overcompensate." And then he did, and Belly fouled it off, and I was like, "Oh, I thought that was gonna be the home run." And then when I saw them go inside, like uh, two pitches later, I was like, "Well, he doesn't know that that was a mistake, so he he knows he can cover that too." And then what happens is a big bat flip, and Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman just needed to hit the ball a little bit further, maybe like uh, Cody Bellinger did, but he just didn't quite sneak it over the glove of old Mookie. Mookie is just so fantastic. They are just so lucky to have him right now. And who knows, maybe Lindor jumps on that train and just makes that team stupid to watch and even more than it is right now. Who knows? Maybe I'm putting something out there that's never going to happen. But a boy can dream. True. A boy can on to the AL. Let's move on to the AL. Um, I, this is this is a point I I tweeted about. This is a point I really stand behind. But Dusty Baker is the Carmelo Anthony of managers. Poor Dusty. Uh, Dusty managed a team with Barry Bonds on it. Uh, then he moved on to the Cubs team that lost. The, the the Bartman Cubs. Mm-hmm. So that was a World Series talent team. He had uh, the Reds. The pretty good Reds team. A, a 
MVP Joey Votto Reds team with a rotation with a good Matt Latos, Johnny Cueto, Homer Bailey. There's more in that rotation I can't think of off the top Brandon of my head. Phillips running up the they middle. Had, they had Sean. They had Sean Marshall. Jonathan Broxton and Chapman in the back of that bullpen. Like that was a pretty legit three-headed monster. That was, that was just not good enough at the time. Or he didn't, he, he kept guys in too long. Um, It's usually his problem. He keeps pitchers in way too long. He had the Nats a year before they won it all. Now he had this Houston Astros team. And I think his downfall again was how he managed his pitching staff in game seven. Yeah. That's uh. Let's give a, let's give some respect to old Dusty and his boys. They did come back. They did. They did battle back. Um, but for the Houston Astros, I think, unlike the Braves, this was debatably their last kind of chance in this window. Um, definitely, definitely. Not looking too bright for the future. I think there's definitely some reasons for optimism. But obviously, Verlander, probably the last pitch he's thrown as an Astro. Um, probably going to lose Springer. I mean, not a whole lot of reasons for optimism over there in Houston. I mean, they – I'll give them this. They had a bunch of young pitchers come up this year that they weren't expecting to be as good as, it, as they were. And <clears throat> they're going to give themselves a chance to compete are they going to compete far into the, in, into the postseason or even make the postseason? No, but they're going to have a chance to yeah. at least steal a postseason spot, especially with expanded uh, postseason form. They're also in a division that's not not the strongest. So. Yeah, um, yeah. Windows haven't quite opened. Some windows are closing, possibly. Um, Some windows have been flung wide open. Well, yeah, yeah we'll, we we will we will get there. Um, but yeah, I, that this was this is definitely a bigger loss for the Astros than it was for the Braves overall. But you got to give them credit for. Um, Jimmy Rollins said it the best when he was like, "It's not bragging if you back it up or something like that." Like. Yep. Correa talked a lot of shit, but he was disgusting the whole postseason and almost carried them to a World Series. Yep. I mean, but they, but the Tampa Bay Rays just stood right in their way. And they're moving on. They are moving on. Um, and I get to watch Kiermaier for a whole another week. If only it was Kiermaier and Dansby. That would just be... I wouldn't even be watching the game, actually. Yeah, too much to handle. Too That's much. To handle. Good for the baseball fans. Anyways, uh, I want to talk about one more thing in that championship series. Um, Charlie Morton has the biggest balls in all of baseball. Chucky Morton shoved. Yeah, he he's good. He's yeah. still good. He's old and he's good. He's, he's he is old. Um, his gray hair. I I I think he has some type of dementia. I don't know, but he his balls huge. Carried you know down in that last game. <laughs> you know who else you could say has big balls? Who else? I know a guy. 
a Rosarena. Oh, massive. So good. The Cuban, or, or some say Mookie Betts is the American or Rosarena. That's what I've been hearing. I mean, I feel like it's fair. All right, but are we, are we moving on to this this matchup? Let's let's move on. Um, actually, before we completely move on, how's our brackets looking as a unit? <laughs> uh, I would like to start things off by I got my NL team right. I think I missed two. I missed two series in the NL. I missed the Cubs, Marlins, and the Cardinals, Padres. But my AL bracket killed it. Got one series right the entire time. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> That's I don't think that's Mine was pretty bad, but I think mine might have been better than yours. That's tough. I mean, if it's not better than mine, you're awful because mine was horrible. Yeah. I missed I mean, four, four series the whole time. Yeah. Oh, I would just like to go ahead and uh, tip my hat to that's, Eli. That's Thank, you. Thank you. Thank he, you. He did win by quite quite a large margin. Yeah. Um, I mean – if it was a March Madness bracket and they were doing the point system, I'd be a little bit prouder. But other than that, our opinions don't mean shit. So let's – we can move on past that idea. All right. So we know what our game one and game two starters are for each – for the World Series. We got Tyler Glasnow throwing for the Tampa Bay Rays and Clayton Kershaw, the best lefty of this generation, going for the Los Angeles Dodgers. How do we feel about game one? I am a little bit worried for old Clayton. I feel like my heart's just going to hurt if he doesn't do a great job tomorrow night. But um, I'm really, really rooting for Clayton Kershaw to absolutely go off. I I just – I think he deserves it, and I think he needs it. Um. And I hope he can get it done. I love me some Tyler Glass now, but I would love to see Clayton put together a great performance. Um, I'm going. I'm. I'm going with it. I think Clayton's going to give us seven, seven strong tomorrow. Wow, seven, seven strong. That's that's a bit aggressive, but I love it. Listen, I'm here for it. I'm on similar page. I think Clayton comes out just. Silences the haters, the playoff Clayton haters, and has a big game one, makes a statement. I'm saying six and two-thirds from Clayton and the win. Um, I like the matchup a lot for the Dodgers against the Rays overall. So I really – well, the Dodgers don't swing at a lot of, like, wild pitching. Like Sometimes the Rays can be a little bit effectively wild. Yep. And – and the Dodgers don't bite at that. So I like I like the Dodgers' ability to score in bunches, and I don't think the Rays have that ability. No. Unless Randy Rosarena keeps going nuclear like he is. Yes. Yes, I a hundred percent. Um, I think one of the most of I I do like Clayton actually pitching well here. I like Clayton pitching, at least out pitching Glass now, which is 
an aggressive because Glass now is a young stud and. But I think I think Glass now is easier to game plan against. Well, he's a two pitch pitcher. Yeah, he's a two pitch pitcher. He's honestly just a substantially better version of Lance McCullers. He's a two Lance is a two pitch pitcher. That was a statement. I mean, he can throw a chain. Exactly. He's got better stuff, but if one's not on the Dodgers show, they're just not going to give you any love if you're, if you're not throwing anything, but like a fastball for a strike or a curveball for a strike. So I like, I like the Dodgers here in game one, at least game two. So who's our, who's, who's our, uh, okay, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. What? Go on. I was just oh. going to say, who's who do we got as our X, X factors for the series? I'd like to start it off. Please. All right. I'm going Don't with – come on, Dan. The Dodgers have a lot of former MVPs. But uh, I think Cody Bellinger will be X factor. Kind of had a, a disappointing season so far. I think maybe he gets a turnaround. And uh, I'm predicting World Series MVP, Cody Bellinger. It's a trendy pick. Um, I've sent you guys my X factor. I woke up one morning. I said, how has this not been a storyline yet? At the beginning of the 2020 season or before the 2020 season started, there was a trade between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Los Angeles Angels. And that was sending Jock Peterson to the Angels. Yet we have not heard about that failed trade, not end up like working out great for the Dodgers and I have Jock Peterson figuring it out for the Dodgers and all we'll hear about is the failed trade I love it anything that ruins the Angels I love it I love it yes Uh, (laughs) I'm gonna go back to another trade this is a pretty trendy pick also but I just think that it's it's the year of Mookie it really is go for it Uh yeah that's fine Mookie's Mookie's the X factor for me on both sides of the ball. Um, it's it's going to be the Mookie show, and I'm excited for it. Three three outfielders, three Dodger outfielders, and I think uh, when we talk about when the Rays, we have Mookie on both out. teams. Yes, and I will huh? be um, I will be picking the uh, Cuban Mookie bets as my X factor for, for the Rays. Him and I kind of want to do a 1A and 1B for this X Factor because I think Randy Rosarena and Austin Meadows are huge for them because Austin Meadows, I think, is their best hitter. And I think he they are going to need the ability to score in bunches, um, which is why the Braves were a good matchup for the Dodgers because they could do that. So uh, my guy, Randy Rosarena and Austin Meadows are my X factors for the Tampa Bay Rays. So if I'm going to Tampa Bay Rays X factor, I mean, everybody's been waiting for Brandon Lau to figure it out and uh, really carry like he did during the season. But that's not where I'm going. I just wanted to say that. I'm going with my man, my possibly favorite current player in the league, Mike Zanino. Yes. I'm I'm here for it. He's my hero. 
if he hits at least another tank, I'm more than satisfied. Oh, man. Oh, man. If Mike Zinio hits a World Series home run, I will be giddy. I really will. The long ball he hits during the games remind me of my feelings when Russell Wilson throws a deep ball, and I just know that there's a receiver by himself. Oh, you know it's getting come down with. You know that ball's getting caught. I, exactly. It's just such a moment that I jump out of my seat. I know I'm about to cheer. I mean, hopefully they don't fumble at the one yard line. But other than that, it's pretty. It's a, it's electric. You like uh, to you, know, you love to see Mikey Z launching balls. Exactly. Oh my God. All right, Connor, what do you got? The my X factor. It's definitely a take. You can take it either a hot take or a cold take, but it's not an offensive X factor. I'm going with the man himself. Some refer to him as the sexiest man in baseball, Kevin Kiermeyer. He might not get it done at the plate, but he is going to make some big time plays out in center field. That is going to save the race some runs. And I think late in innings, he will be an X factor. Might not be looked at because of his offensive numbers, but he's my X factor. You're just saying that because he looks good. Great decision. Yeah, exactly. I, love, I love the pick. I love um, too. Game two. I'm I'm mo- more than confident that I know Blake Snell is going game two for the Rays. I'm pretty sure it's Bueller game two for the Dodgers. Oh, nope. He actually just got announced as a game three starter. So ah. game so that's Charlie Morton versus uh 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 walker bueller in game three so we have three games that we can really start to talk about okay so it's look it looks like it's going to be between gonsolin urias and may for game two i guess we can have that conversation who if you're the the dodgers who are you going with i might just ride out the hot hand urias has been pretty nice that that is a hundred percent the correct answer. Yes, exactly. That the lineup when with with Choi, um, uh, Lau, and Wendell. Those are those are impact bats bats for the Rays that game one and game two might not be the same a factor in because they're going on Kershaw Arias. Yep. I think uh I think it's gonna be one one. After these two, it's gonna be one one. I think that game three is gonna be electric. A hundred percent. Bueller Bueller Morton is gonna be that's a good matchup. That's actually probably my favorite matchup now. I think that I love that. It's it's, it's the most even. Um game three is what day? That would be Thursday. It's going to be Friday. I was going to bring this up. We're going to have off days in this World Series. Oh, yeah. Which is really going to help, I mean, both teams. But if to, so far, like, the pitching has gotten really thin towards the end of the series. But with an off day, that's going to really help out these bullpens. Yes. Especially the Rays, because sometimes you get guys like Glasnow or Snell who throw – shit ton of pitches in like the first five yeah so we'll see if that that advantage in that in that realm i might be going raise but that's about it 
the pitching staff overall is probably better for the Rays, but they do throw a shit ton of balls. Yep. And I think the Dodgers obviously have a clear offensive advantage. Um, Defense is another story. I think it's pretty – I think the Rays might have that. Um, Oh, I just brought out my black book that I uh, wrote down the DRS from our original uh, picks. All right, give it to us. The advantage – goes to the Dodgers. They have a five-run DRS advantage. Okay. But it's a different – it's a postseason at this point. And the reason why the Rays made it this far is their defense stood up when they needed to in games one through three against the Astros. Yep. So. All, All right. right. Should we go Next. into an interview? Yes, we got Scott Brocious talking about a lot of great experiences that he's had for our world series episode. We have the world series MVP from 1998. All right. Series episode. We are actually having a world series MVP on Um, more importantly, he was a Oakland a and a New York Yankee, but he was also a Linfield alum. Thank you for coming on, Scott Brocious. Good to see you guys. Thanks for having me. All right. So we just want to know, what are you up to now? What are, What is the baseball world for you now? Yeah, right now, baseball for me is pretty quiet. Um, kind of this world that we've been in here for a while, kind of the, the new norm with the COVID, um, really kind of essentially ended a lot of my work. Um, I've been, you know, last couple of years, I've been with, uh, you know, USA Baseball and working with the national teams. Um course with the COVID that kind of shut down um, the summer a lot of the de- uh, a lot of the developmental teams were completely shut down um, and along with the, the professional teams um, I was slated to be uh, the manager of the you know the qualifying and then hopefully the Olympic team um, there were no Olympics this year so um, it's it's really kind of um, ended a lot of the work that that I was supposed to do this year so uh, been pretty quiet on my front. Um, so we talk going from Linfield to pro baseball. So Ben, I, I, um, I'm, I, I lost you there a little bit. I only caught about two or three words, um, breaking up just a little bit. Hopefully it's not my, hopefully it's not my Wi-Fi out here. Uh-oh. So, so Ben yeah. asked, oh, you want to, all right. Uh, I just asked, uh, what was it like going from Linfield to Pro Bowl? Yeah, I think there was there was definitely, um, you know, I, I think there every level that you move up to, there, there's a step, you know, that's you know from high school to college, it definitely feels different. You don't you don't quite know till you get there what the, you know, what it's going to look like, what the you know the adjustments are going to be. Um, I think probably the biggest thing going from going from Linfield and in, into professional baseball was just seeing, you know, day in and day out, kind of the, maybe the quality of the pitching, um, the players, obviously the depth of the guys on the team, um, competition day in and day out. Um, 
but I also tried to make a point of, of not paying too much attention, for example, to like, especially my first year, like where guys were from. Um, I didn't want that to kind of play into my, like my, the head games, you know? So I didn't want to know if a guy was from UCLA or if he was where he was from or anything like that. I just wanted to go out there and just kind of just, okay, this is a pitcher and, and I just need to go and, and, and try to hit. So um, I think one of the things, you know, trying to get over the hump coming from a small school to, you know, professional baseball was, I had one game in particular where um, I, I accidentally kind of saw where this pitcher was from. He's from a major Pac-10 school at the time. I'm like, okay, wow, so-and-so is. And then I go out there and face him after the first pitch. I was almost like mad. I'm like, seriously, this guy got money to play baseball at college and this and that. I mean, and so it, it kind of showed me that now I can hit and I can play against uh, anybody out there. Um, in, your, in your playing career, you went from – one of the more dynamic duos and the bash bros as teammates to the core four, what were the differences between that Oakland A's team and that New York Yankees team? Yeah. You know, obviously I came up with the A's kind of right in, in, in kind of the height of, of their time. You know, I, I signed in 87. So I was in the minor league still when they were, you know, 88, 89 and 90 when, when they had gone to the, you know, the world series um, three years in a row uh, but I caught it kind of the tail end uh, as I came up in 91. Um, you know, we were a playoff team that year, but didn't go very far into the playoffs. And and, and then kind of some of the changes started to happen. So I came up and it, with a team um, just loaded with veterans, tons of talent, obviously, you know, on, on the pitching staff, offensively, defensively, very, very solid team. Um, and then kind of transition into kind of the rebuild um, in Oakland there. So we had some lean years there, not going to the playoffs, losing a lot of games. And then, you know, so I was the young guy on a veteran team. And then as I got traded to the Yankees, became a little bit more of the veteran guy on a veteran team as well. That was very similar. Um, you know, the team in New York was, again, pretty loaded, um, you know, with some veterans. But the probably the biggest difference is they had the, the younger kind of the core that you're talking about. Some of the younger guys, Derek Jeter was was just, you know, like a, a third year player you know, at the time that I got traded and Posada was young, you know, Bernie was, had been there, but was still, you know, just, you know, just started getting into the thick of his career. So um, lots of veterans around um, um, some really young, great players. And there was a lot of uh, good personalities on that uh, Yankees team. Do you have any good clubhouse stories from those Yankees in the nineties? Yeah, I, I, you know, the one thing I would say about the Yankees and one of the big differences between the Yankees and the A's, and it's maybe it's a little unfair to say this. I mean, the A's went to went to, um, you know, three World Series. But the, the, the biggest thing that I noticed coming from Oakland over to New York was just how cohesive and and just what great teammates the guys in, in that clubhouse were. You know, in Oakland, you know, as a young guy, you had these older players and they were kind of hard on the young guys. You were you were sort of kind of just pushed into a corner a little bit and said, you know, kind of shut up and just go do your job. And, and in, in New York, it was very different. I mean, there were no like clicks or groups. I mean, you would go to dinner. Um, there'd be eight guys going to dinner, you know, after a game, but it might be a combination of eight different guys every night, you know, so very cohesive group, very focused on, on winning. Um, my first day in spring training was so cool sitting around guys and trying to get to know them. You know, you play against them, but you don't know them. But, but being around these guys for the first time and, and, you know, when I came over in 98 and 97, the team had got bumped out of the playoffs. They'd won at 96, 97. They'd got bumped out of the playoffs in the first round. 
And so the only thing guys talked about from day one in the clubhouse was we're getting back to that World Series, we're going to get back to that World Series, and we're going to win the World Series. So it had nothing to do with individual kind of this, these are my goals or, or, you know, these are the numbers I want to put up. It was all about winning and, and all about, um, you know, just getting back to the series. So, um, yeah, very different personality types. You had David Wells who would play – you know, just hardcore rock music before his starts. And then he had Bernie Williams who would sit in the corner and strum his guitar and be asleep 20 minutes before a game, just very easy going, you know? Um, so a whole bunch of different personality types, um, but everybody got along great. Is there any similarities between the current Yankees team and the Yankee team that you were on? Do you uh, I, I think there's definitely similarities in thinking, um, you know, in New York, if you don't win, you know, and if you don't win the whole thing, it's seen a little bit as, you know, that that season was a, a failure, um, you know, so that was something that we had to live up to. It's changed a little bit with, you know, Mr. Steinbrenner being gone and, and other people kind of running it, but, you know, he was very, very straightforward, you know, about his expectations. We're going to, we're going to pay you well, and we expect you to play well and anything, but the world series was seen as kind of a losing season almost. And so some of those expectations um, are, are still there in New York. Um, you know, just getting to the playoffs is not good enough. Um, it's you're expected to stay there a long time and, and, and win some games and get to the series. So the teams itself, the makeup is a little bit different. Um, you know, you look at the teams now and, and I see a team that, that has a lot of talent, but it's, it's, it's kind of a little bit more one dimensional offensively, you know, very power based. Um, you know, I think that the thing about our our teams and kind of our runs is we had guys in the lineup one through nine that we could play different styles of baseball if we needed to. We didn't have to rely on power. I mean, you know, we won. 114 regular season games in 98 and our home run leader had 29 that year. So, you know, but we had like six guys or seven guys who hit like 20, but we could hit and run and we could bun and we could do other things. So we could play some small ball um, and, and win games that way. And then of course we just had a very deep starting staff um, and in a great bullpen as well. So you talked about coming up with the, Oakland A's. Tell us about your big league debut. And I also understand that you homeward in your debut. Is this true? Yeah. So my big league debut, I got called up um, in my first three days in the big leagues. I didn't play at all. So I, I got called up, but, but I wasn't in the lineup. And I, I got called up on a Sunday. So I was there for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, didn't play. And then Wednesday in Oakland, they have these 12, 15 day games um, on Wednesdays back then they were 12, 15. So got to the ballpark and I wasn't in the lineup again. We had optional batting practice. And so of course I took batting practice and, and then about 1130, just about 45 minutes before the game, uh, Tony LaRusso, the manager calls me into the office and he was like, Hey bro, listen, we got a problem. Um, we got nobody to play right field today. So at Linfield, I'd played a little bit of center field and played some third base. So I had some experience in the outfield, but I didn't play any outfield in the minor leagues coming up at all. And so he was like, Hey, can you play right field? You know? And I'm like, well, what am I going to say? No, I'll just wait for third base to open up. I was like, yeah. Oh yeah. I played a lot of outfield. I'm just lying through my teeth. Right. Yeah. I played a ton of outfield. I, I can play field. I literally found out maybe a half hour before the game that I was playing. And so I had to borrow an, a, a glove to actually play the outfield. I didn't even have an outfielder's glove. And in Oakland, right field was kind of the sun field. 
So I'm sitting out there and I'm just like, what did I get myself into? You know, I got the sun in my eyes and all this. And so it was probably the best thing for me offensively because I wasn't even thinking about hitting. I was just like, don't look stupid out here, catch the fly balls, just, you know, just get through playing the outfield. Um, so, you know, offensively, I was just kind of relaxed because I was more just uncomfortable in, in right field. So my first at bat, um, I got a hanging one, two curveball that I hit for a double. And so that sort of took the, you know, take that deep breath. You're at second base. You got the, you got the first hit. And then my second at bat, I hit a changeup for a home run. So yeah, started, started my career two for two with a, with a double and a homer. Um, and then punched out my final two times to end up two for four for the day. But, uh, but a pretty fun, pretty fun first game. That's awesome. So you've, you've spent time as a head coach and, and a manager at some levels and, um, what was Tony LaRusa's and Joe Torrey's, uh, uh, influence on, on your coaching style? Yeah, no, great question. Because I think everybody that you play for everybody you're around has, you know, has a kind of an influence and both, you know, hall of fame coaches, but very different approaches to, to, um, you know, how they manage a team and, and things like that. And, and Tony, was kind of the guy that wanted like he felt like if I could put constant pressure especially on the young guys put constant pressure on them you know then they would kind of get used to the pressure right and so when those moments came up they were ready ready to handle it where Joe was just kind of the opposite he was like I want you to relax I want you to go play um, just have confidence in what you do so that way when those moments come up you're just you're yourself and 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 so for me, I, I think I took some things from Tony. Tony was very prepared. I mean, off the charts, he was ahead of his time in terms of matchups and knowing kind of what he wanted to have during the game. So for me, kind of that, that preparedness is something that I always, you know, really respected with what he did. But I think I took a little bit more from Joe. Like, I want the players to be themselves. You know, baseball should be fun. You know, yes, we're competing. We want to win. But um, you got to have fun doing this and you got to be yourself. So I wanted my players to, to be a little bit more relaxed so they could just um, trust who they were. So this is a little bit of a two-part question, but we all had that guy growing up who was the poster on our wall. Who was that guy for you? Um, for me, my guy was Derek Jeter growing up. Um, and I was wondering what your best Derek Jeter story was. Okay. Yeah. So my guy was Dale Murphy. So no question. I was in college. He was, he was that stick ball poster was on my wall. And, and so Dale was, you know, a great player, obviously played for the Braves, you know, in the eighties, nineties and, and from Portland, you know, so growing up in my area, he was a guy that, that I really looked up, looked up to. And, and more importantly, I just heard all the stories about what a good person he was off the field as well, how well he treated people, things like that. So no question. I mean, I have a Dale Murphy signed jersey in my closet right now still he's still my guy uh, when I get a chance to visit with them it's it's I'm still kind of like that little kid talking to him so um so he was my guy um yeah in terms of Derek I think um you know the one thing that stands out for me with Derek was like I said when I came over in 98 he was he was still a younger player he was he was a third year guy but he always carried himself like he was older he carried himself you know as a leader and um and so he, he had the ability of very fierce competitor, 
but had the ability just to kind of enjoy and, and have fun along the way. So I get traded over first home series um, of the year. We're playing the Mariners and two outs in the first inning Griffey's at the plate and he hits a pop-up that I have to go over towards the stands, just a pretty basic pop-up, but I go over and I clank it, pop it, just a, just a flat out error, you know? So I got, I got people to stands, go back to Oakland. Who are you? They're, they're yelling at me and stuff like that. So, so for literally for like the next month, Jeter is calling me off every single pop-up, like things that I'm standing under. He walks over and he calls me off and, and he, and I look over, I'm like, dude, are you ever going to let me catch a pop-up? And he'd just grin and just walk back over to his position. Right. So we're a month into this and, and he and I are locker partners, you know, we're right next to each other. So but we get along great. And so it wasn't like this, like, I, I don't trust you. He was just like playing with me, literally just like playing with me on the field. So finally we get like a month into it and we get this pop-up and it's like probably one of those that maybe the shortstop should take. I'm going back, you know, into to left field and I'm, so I'm yelling for it cause I'm trying to catch a pop-up and I'm like, he's not calling me off. I'm like, no way. He's going to let me catch this, but I can feel him close, but he's not calling me off. So right as I'm catching the ball, he goes, ah, that's trying to scare me. And so I catch the ball and I look at him like, dude, are you serious? Like, what are you doing? And he just, same thing. I flipped the ball and he just grinned and turned away. And so then after that, he let me catch stuff, but he, but that was kind of who he was. I mean, he, he just, you know, like I said, was fierce, would do anything to win, but just, you have to enjoy yourself out there and kind of have some fun with it. So um, that always stood out to me because that was kind of my, one of my first little tastes of, you know, you know, people ask us, what do you guys do before the games? You know, of course, Jeter, he's got like deals with everybody. So all of a sudden this box arrives in the clubhouse and it's all these games because he's now a spokesman for I don't know, whoever Hasbro or whoever they are. So for like the next month before every game, we're having like the best two out of three connect four competition, you know? So here it is at six 30, the game's at seven o'clock. We're like, let's go bring it out. And it's connect four before we head on to the field. So, um, Awesome, awesome leader, um, and just like I said, great guy uh, around the clubhouse. It wouldn't be the perfect World Series guess if we didn't ask about the World Series. You were part of a three-peat, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And you were the MVP of the 1998 one. Correct. Um, can we hear about that world, those World Series runs and specifically that that 1998 season yeah the 98 season was obviously really special i mean you know every every world series obviously was was beyond cool and, and special but i think there's something about the first one you know doing it for the first time and because it, it's you know like after the world series i remember a reporter asking me like did you ever dream about this and i said did i ever dream about this every single day i mean that's exactly what we dreamed about as a kid i mean that's what i did in the backyard was you know, it's the World Series and you're trying to, you know, hit the tennis ball, or the wiffle ball, you know, over the fence or whatever. So, I mean, it was literally like a dream come true, you know, and being traded to, you know, the Yankees after the 97 season um, was the 97 season in Oakland was probably by far the worst season that I had. I, I didn't play well. Um, I was injured. I, ha I had a knee surgery. I tried to rush back from it to try to keep my season going. And it just was one of those things where everything that could go wrong went wrong. And so to get kind of this fresh start and go to New York, it was just like, no way. I mean, I just left the last place team and um, now we're going to the playoffs and into the World Series, you know. And, and so when I came over, 
uh, Willie Randolph was our third base coach and he was the guy that worked with infielders. So he hit, my, he hit me my ground balls every day. And so every single day, the last ground ball from spring training on, I would tell him two outs in the world series, let's go game ender, you know, and he'd hit me some kind of ball or whatever. And it was like every single day, two outs in the world series. So that was kind of one of the coolest things about the, that the first series in 98 is the last ball did come to me. And so it was kind of that thing that I did every single day kind of like came true. And I, I was able to, to make the last out in the world series pretty cool. Okay. So our final question we ask all of our guests is for us, we've grown up with some very iconic batting stances like Ken Griffey Jr., Albert Pujols, Derek Jeter. Who, who was the, the wiffle ball stance that, uh, player that you, that you am? emulated when you were playing wiffle ball oh man that's a good question because you know we didn't get to see we didn't get you know i'm, I'm going to age myself a little bit but like when i was in you know junior high and high school we were just starting to get cable right we were just starting to get like the cubs and and the braves on tv and outside of that you didn't get to see a ton of guys but the the easy guys you know that we would do would be like pete rose because he was all crouched down. He was a switch hitter. So we'd hit both ways all crouched down and, and he just passed away. But Joe Morgan was another guy. Cause when he hit, he had this little twitch with his elbow, you know? And so we do those kind of things, you know? So, um, you know, some of the reds were the guys, Johnny Bench. Those were the guys that I knew the best because they were the guys on TV, the big red machine, you know, back when I was a kid, they were on the Saturday morning games. And so those were, those were probably the guys more than anybody else that, that we tried to emulate. So if, if those were the first games that you uh, uh, Reds, Red Sox World Series back in the day, and oh, was, yeah. was that the most exciting baseball that you've ever watched to this day? It, it, it was pretty amazing. And, and like you said, you know, and I'm in Oregon, and so I don't even have like, I'm not even emotionally tied probably like the Red Sox and, and all those guys were, you know, to, to the – the series, but um, yeah, pretty fabulous as a kid. I mean, like I said, those, those were the games, the, the, that series, like the Yankees when Reggie Jackson, you know, hit three consecutive home runs. Um, those are the one, those are the things like as, as a kid, like as a grade school, I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I mean, that, that is, you know, what I want to do when, when I grow up. And so, um, you know, we only got to see one game a week as a kid and then the playoffs, you got to see the playoffs. And, and so it was literally the biggest deal of the year. Um, so yeah, my eyes were glued to, to every single game. So comparing that Carlton Fisk home run to anything you've seen in recent years, what, what would you compare it to? Uh, good question. I think, um, you know, there, um, I don't know. Uh, I know there's been a couple, there's been a couple walk-offs in the last few years in the playoffs and, and, um, you know, probably the one that, that, that comes to mind is, is Joe Carter, you know, yeah. um, Joe Carter goes down the line, almost the same, almost kind of the, not really the same type of home run, but a pole home run. And I mean, to, to literally be able to hit a home run to end the World Series. Now, Carlton Fisk kept them alive, right? But that didn't end the World Series. But Joe Carter hit a home run to win them the World Series. And yeah. so, um, and watching him as a, as a veteran dance and jump around, you know, going around the, uh, the bases, um, it just shows how important and how much it matters to these guys to do something like that. All right, last thing. 
Who do you got winning the World Series this year? Uh, so I'm going to sound like a front runner, but I, I literally said this last week. Um, as soon as soon as the I, I felt whoever between the Rays and the Yankees, whoever won that series was going to win the whole thing. And so as soon as Tampa beat New York, I said, okay, these guys are are, are going to get it done. So I'm going to stick with my Tampa guns. And I know they're up three to one. So that's an easy thing to say right now. But um, yeah, when it, when it all started, I felt like um, the winner of that series was probably going to win the whole thing. I think both me and Ben have the Dodgers and I think, I think we all actually have the Dodgers. Now I think about okay. it. Yeah. yeah so. I was driving over yesterday. I'm over in, in central Oregon right now. And, and I was driving, listening to that game on, on my radio and it didn't take, I wouldn't, I didn't even get from McMinnville to Salem. And I'm like, okay, this game's over. I mean, it was um, and the poor Braves to kind of have that happen two years in a row a little bit. And at least this one wasn't a, an elimination game, but when you give up like 10 and 11 or whatever in a, in a playoff game, uh, that's a tough history right there. So, yeah, I think the Dodgers might be waking up. Um, so this is a question that's been uh, all over Twitter. Um, as a Yankee, you, I'm sure you got your pinstripes when uh, you won that MVP for them in the World Series. Everyone wants to say that Giancarlo Stanton has not received his pinstripes from Yankee fans. What, how do you feel about that? And do you think he has? Well, I think, I mean, it, that's going back to what I said earlier, there's no question. That's how, that's how players are judged and it's fairly or unfairly in New York. It's judged by winning championships, you know, and um, it hasn't happened yet. You know, I know he hasn't been on the field all the time. There's been some injury issues. Some of those things are out of his control. Um, but yeah, I mean, this whole, this whole group, whether it's Stanton, you know, even judge all these guys. I mean, that, that's just how any big, um, trade or any big free agent, um, his value to the franchise in New York is always based on championships. And so um, that's how CC, you know, earned his stripes when he came over. And, and um, that's just how it is out there. So like I said, may not be fair, but I guarantee that's the perception right now. We understand that for sure. <laughs> so thank you for coming on. This has been an amazing time. Um, we hope to have you on again sometime. So no, great talking to you guys. So yeah, anytime, let's do it again. For sure. Thank you. Thank All you. right. Okay, guys. See you later. See you. All right. Thank you again, Scott Brocious, for the the great conversation and the opportunity to talk to a World Series champion before the World Series starts this year. That was the, how fortunate are we? Come on. Pretty, pretty legit. Um, yeah. Pretty sick. I I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast or if this was outside of a recording, but I also uh, had another interesting note about this World Series. Um, in 2014, Andrew Friedman had left the Tampa Bay Rays and got hired by the Los Angeles Dodgers, and is currently getting paid more than 25 of the. 28 guys on the active roster for the Tampa Bay Rays. It's so tremendous. I, really, I guess, I guess he did make his money. So good for him. Good for him. All right. Nerve. It's your time to shine. Guys, Take it away. It's everyone's favorite part of the podcast. I know it's my favorite part of the podcast, but it is the nerve nugget of the week. And I am still on my cold streak. I think I got Ben last time. I think. All right. So my question is, well, 
background. We all know that the Tampa Bay Rays are in the World Series, correct? And we also all know mm-hmm. they're also in the World Series in 2008. So my question is, who's the only pitcher in Rays franchise history that has a win in the World Series? They only have one. Wow. So on that pitching staff, they had Garza was a starter for them. Was James Shields? James Shields, big game James. James Price. Uh, Price, but I think he was in the bullpen for them. He was. Because he was uh <sighs> Who else was on? I know I could like name their whole entire like infield, but I couldn't name their pitching staff. Do I want to? Was Edwin Jackson on that pitching staff for them? I want to say he was. It's <sighs> Scott Casimir was on pitching staff. Uh, it's got to be James Shields. He's game James. He wouldn't have the title if. Like continued out the title after leaving Tampa. Yeah, I was gonna go. I, it has to be James Shields. I feel like that's it's gotta be. It's gotta be James oh, Shields. All right, congrats, you guys nailed it again. again. <laughs> that one was. That one wasn't too bad. I, All right, I think. Well, that was the first I, game I thought. Listen, I was prepared because I figured you'd get that one, but I liked that question. Um, so my question, that's a good, question, that was a good question. That was a good question. Um, my next question would be, um, when was the last time there was a game seven in both the ALCS and NLCS in the same year? And what teams won? Cause that was brought up earlier. And I have the answer to that. They were talking uh, about it too, like on the bro- on one of the broadcasts. Um, it was in the 2000s, I'm pretty sure. All right, when was the last time it was in the championship series? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, in both the LCSs. Okay. Uh, Somebody was typing. I'm going to go 2011. I have no idea why, but I I'm think just it was, 2011. I think it was later than that. Or earlier than that. Um, was it that 2004 season? It's either 2004 or 2001. I think it's 2004. All right. Well, fuck you, Ben. Eli, it was 2004. So it would have been the Red Sox. And, and then the Cardinals played somebody deep. The Cardinals played the Astros, right? Astros, that's right. Mm-hmm. That was a big Albert Pujols home run. Well, shoot. It's been a tough year for you so far. Those are good questions. I enjoy it. All right, let's just talk about something that shows we're not very di- – we're not just dense baseball heads. Um, it shows that we're well-rounded individuals and we care about things bigger than sports. We're going to get into the core four. And this core four is Halloween candy. So we are not dense <laughs> baseball fans. All right. And Ben, Ben has a first pick. Yeah. Um, 
I was given the first pick because I actually do not like candy whatsoever. Odd. Um, so I think I'm going to take the consensus number one pick, the uh, you could say the Joe Burrow of this draft. I am going to take Reese's peanut butter cups first overall. The correct, the correct pick. Can't miss prospect Reese's peanut butter cups. My opinion, best candy of all time. Yep. All right. Elon, you can take the second pick. Oh, I was going to give you the second pick. Um, well, I'll just go Twix then. I'll take Twix at two. All right. Well, I got a uh, back-to-back picks here. I think the correct choice, um, Kit Kat. My number one, my number three pick, first round. Then a little bit of a curveball for you. Sour Patch Kids. Incredible. All right. That's wow. a All strong, right. That's a strong showing. Um put me in a tough spot. I was gonna go Kit Kat if you didn't take it. Um because I don't think Ben will take next option i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with butterfingers oh gross ben would you have taken butterfingers i i was thinking about it as i think we all know well at least you guys know i will only be picking chocolates during this section because i think candy is revolting so (laughs) that being said i would like to take Snickers with my second pick. I didn't think you were going to take Snickers, so that's why I didn't go with Snickers. Damn it. You picked Butterfingers. Butterfingers are gross. Snickers is a strong number two. I'm not not even worried about my Butterfingers pick at all. All right, Ben, back up, man. All right. Well, really liking my option here. So I'm going to go right back to old reliable M&M's. My third pick. pick. Which kind? That's a great pick. Just regular old M&M's. Any of them are good, but I'm pretty sure under M&M's, I get all of them. Peanut, caramel, peanut butter. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. All solid. Um, I'm stuck between two. I'm going to go with Starburst. Oh, nice. I'm only going Starburst because I know Connor probably wanted Starburst. I was not. I've had mine too. These are my sleeper picks. These are my Tom Brady sixth round picks right here. So I'm going gummy bears, but not just any gummy bears. The gold bag Haribo gummy bears. Only those ones. That is my third pick. And for my final pick. I'll only give it to you if you can tell me what flavor the green one actually is. I don't know. Green? Green apple? <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. Is it like lime or some weird? Still wrong. All right. Well, that's watermelon. Fine. Idiot. Go oh. on. <laughs> Next pick. <laughs> We're about love on this one. And my final pick of the draft and probably my personal second candy but i know no one's gonna pick it um swedish fish those things that was my next pick that's a good pick that's a good pick i thought that was gonna be my sleeper 
Um, I mean, I guess I'll keep my draft pretty well rounded. Um, I'll just get, I'll just take Skittles. That's a solid pick. Can't, I honestly can't believe that lasted till the last round. That is unfortunate. I assumed he was going to take Skittles, so I was just going to wait out and just just take uh, Swedish Fish. But oh, all right, man. There's actually two here. If I'm trying to win over some voters, there's two here. But I do. Oh man. I'm going to stick with my chocolate theme just so I can absolutely slam dunk my all my chocolate lovers out there. I am going to go – I think I'm going to go Tootsie Roll. It's a very – I feel like that's a very solid Halloween candy. Like like the little fake chocolates or like <laughs> – No. Yeah, Tootsie Rolls are gross. I thought Butterfingers was the worst pick in the draft. Tootsie Roll is by far the worst pick in this draft. Okay, I, I pinned you for a freaking candy corn guy, Connor, so uh, – I was going to go Milky Way, but I decided to go Tootsie Roll. I think Milky Way would have been a better decision. Well, you know, I'm not eating either. So. <laughs> okay. the part about this, I don't have to eat any of this. So. so vote on Twitter. See who wins. Um, we'll put it up there. It's not that deep. But moving on to uh, what do we got on, on tap next? Oh, we're, we got Twitter questions. Oh, wait, no, Ben. We have something else. That, I'll uh... that for my final thought. Okay. That's, that's all right. Some Twitter questions. <clears throat> I just request that they get a little nicer. There are some mean ones in here. I mean, not <laughs> towards me, but for the most part, pretty mean towards somebody on our, on our show. But we'll start, I think we start using, start using their names. Uh, we'll, we'll first, uh, start start with a nice one or a fun one good discussion question will the seattle mariners win the 2022 world series you know i actually got asked today on a scale of one to ten how confident i was on the mariners rebuild working and i have been pretty pessimistic for a lot of years um so i and i ended up saying seven and a half I don't think they're going to win the 2022 World Series, but I'm at about a seven and a half out of ten confidence that this rebuild is going to work. I also, I'm on board with that. I don't think they're winning in 2022, but let me tell you, I've been saying this for a long time. 2023 is the year of the Seattle Mariners. Um, I. I love the confidence. I think the rebuild is working for the most part. Um, but I want to say the beginning of this year, we're two years away from being two years away. Uh, I feel like we're in the same time of when, I mean, it's kind of now really dated, but when the, the Astros were predicted to win the, World Series in 2017 on the Sports Illustrated article with the cover was George Springer. I feel like you could do the same thing with Kyle Lewis and you could be like, okay, they're going to win it in 2024. And I would feel very confident about that. Still some free agent moves that need to be made, but I like the, I like 2024. 
the the core the core is there. It's it's going to come down to what free agent moves work and which guys pan out right. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> Next question uh, from someone who I'd like to call roommate. Uh, Aiden had asked the question: Is Connor really necessary on the podcast? And I want to say yes. Good question. I want to say yes. It helps the dynamic. It wouldn't. It wouldn't work if it was just me and Ben just talking at all the listeners, like all twelve, hundreds of them, of them actually, technically, hundreds of them, hundreds of our listeners. But he brings questions. He he's our stats guy. He can do math. He can do he math. Our, he can make our pretty sweet new intro. If you guys heard that, yeah. Um, but look at this, Connor. What's seventeen times three? Maybe he can't it's do fifty-one. It's fifty-one. There you go. I knew that before you. He can do math. Give him a second chance. Give him a second chance. What's twenty-two divided by two? Eleven. There you go. He's pretty good. Can't this beat that. Math. Do, you have a math, do you have a math guy friend? I didn't think so. Listen, I love the question. I think it was relevant. Also, you too. Great. I'm glad you appreciate me. Aiden, go fuck yourself. Oh, dude. Oh, he's, he's listening to this thing. What are you doing? That's okay. We're down to 12, 11. <laughs> All right. Um, next question. Who is the dumbest one of the three of you? <laughs> Max, um, that was rude. We just proved Connor can do math, so we can't quite go back from there. Listen, I think you guys are, I think we're all incredibly smart individuals, but I've known one of you for way longer and seen one of you do a lot of stupid things. And I'm going to have to give this one a better name. I'm sorry. I hate to say it. I bet you he can do the same thing to you. <laughs> oh, I can. But uh, I think, I think we all can. I think we all have our dumb moments. I don't think we need to delegate someone as being the dumbest. A dumb question. How about that? <laughs> um, <laughs> and we're down to 10 listeners. There we go. Uh, what's y'all's thoughts on the Rays calling up their number one prospect for the World Series? So let's, let's go back to this idea. Um, there is a picture leaked of Wander Franco, Franco, whatever you want to say his name is. Uh, Jersey being a, a World Series edition. So people are now speculating if he is going to be on the World Series roster, which is very exciting. Um, what do we think? I mean, I don't think it's actually happening, but the prospect of happening is so cool. Yeah, I don't think it's actually happening either, but um, the electricity that that would add would be absolutely tremendous it's not happening i think he's on a taxi squad and i think all taxi squad members get a jersey but um i could i mean i could see the appeal for something like that you never know how many chances you get at this you know he's gonna bring some energy yes 100 percent. i think this this question also probably goes with the idea is what pitcher would they not 
taking this into the World Series, especially because they have more rest days, it's it is a more of a possibility. And two is what's the health of Kevin Kiermeyer? That is true. Because if they want to put Brendan Lau in the outfield at some point or use him more in a utility role, there is a spot in the infield wide open. But I would feel that they had more confidence to call up a guy like Brett Phillips that they trade front. So we'll see. I'm excited if it does happen. I would love it. That's so sick. That's so sick. I mean, the Royals did it with uh, Amonese Jr. And that was. That was awesome. So awesome. Next question. Another Connor shout out. Connor, are you the next Adele? I did at one point in my life say that. Yeah, I did. That is a direct quote from me. Um, if so, can we hear the chorus from Hello? Um, I did not do my vocal exercises today, so this might be a next podcast kind of thing, but not this one. All right, you heard it here. You heard it here first. Next it's podcast. Happening. Happening. Maybe. Maybe. Big maybe. Nope. He said it. Or- he said he, he said maybe it's an ex-podcast thing, um, but we don't take maybes. We don't take optional practices. You're mm-hmm. you're, you're doing it next. You're I we, I might not do it because I don't want to. We've already lost two viewers. If everyone hears me sing, we might lose the rest of our viewers, and it might just be. Or we might gain four hundred. Who could. knows? Who Honestly, knows? the next podcast will be electric, and I think that is almost a guarantee at this point. <laughs> All right. Um, Next question is for Ben. How big is your head? Um, to answer that question, it is quite large, actually. I have been known to have the biggest head that most people have seen. I wear a seven and three-fourths. For reference, I can put my hat on, and Ben's hat then fits over my own hat and looks normal. That's how big his head is. Yep. I've, I've been known to buying a seven and three fourths when my hair is long and oh, yeah i don't have a lot of hair i mean i have thick hair but i just have a big head yeah i have an afro so yeah would call you it if that's so yeah you got a big head that's a dome yeah. my man i do uh, yeah how many how many Plus, little button. buttons do you do on a snapback uh two snaps two two only two yeah so that's, a, that's actually a great question all right. Keep the questions coming about my head. Uh, this looks like our last and final question. Who is oldest player in the MLB to play ever? And that's Satchel Page. Has to be. It has to be Satchel Page. And <clears throat> currently it's Fernando Rodney. So, ex Mariner. That's okay. Well, that's, there we go. Um, and I think that's all of our Twitter questions. So, Thank you for uh, sending them in. Next week, I think we'll be having uh, – we're here for you. We're just going to have an electric episode. We might just do all of our segments and just see how fun it gets. We, we'll, we'll, we're just going to we're just gonna have a ball. That's for sure. We even need that. We're not even going to have an interview. Connor's just going to sing Adele for us. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's – yeah. We're going to save our next interview for another time. But next episode, mid – World Series episode, and it will be the first episode where we are all together. We are planning on doing a live stream for the World Series. 
will it get a lot of viewers? We don't have a lot of listens, but <laughs> we might we might get a few. So just come watch with us, enjoy the game with us. Yeah, right. If you're ahead on the live, if you're ahead on the live stream, please be nice and not torture us with with your early action. All right, final thoughts. Um, I would like to challenge you guys. Actually, I today started something that I saw during Game Seven of the ALCS. Um, and I would like to coin this the Randy or Rosarena quarantine challenge. Um, so for those of you that don't know, Randy Rosarena uh, did acquire the coronavirus. So he was shelled up in his apartment for about a month. He didn't have any symptoms, but it, the one symptom he did have was he was really bored. So he decided that he was going to only eat chicken and rice pretty much for every meal and he did 300 push-ups a day so i started that today um i'm only going to do 200 push-ups a day because 300 seems a little aggressive um but i'm going to be doing 200 push-ups a day and eating copious amounts of chicken and rice and i would like to if randy rosarina breaks the postseason home run record that you join me on my Randy Rosarena appreciation quarantine challenge quest. I will yes. absolutely 100% do that, but I will do 300 pushups because I'm not soft. All right. Well, it's a whole month. So, um, perfect. I'm going to also give a little context to this challenge. So, yes, I will join you. Randy sits at seven home runs, the record is eight. Let's let's just say if he hits if he gets two more, I'm all in. That's that's a that's a for sure. You know, if he gets if he gets one more, I'm all in. Thank you for your service. All right, my final thought is actually a trivia question that has just now hit my head. That I'm looking on Twitter, and it's uh it's pretty perfect. Since 2000, there's many teams uh, that have uh, national league teams that have had multiple world series appearances. What teams did not uh, go back to the world series within the last 20 years. So they've only made it once. The Mets. One. Oh, so just, we're talking about singular appearances, singular appearances nationally. Yeah. So the nationals. Boom. Give me years. Give me years. This will. This might help you out, actually. Uh, Nationals, obviously. Have you seen it last twenty years? So the Marlins since two. So the Marlins. Yep. Yep. Um. So two thousand one's the first season with this. That's a hint. Okay. The Diamondbacks. There you go. You have one, two, three. Or there's two more. No, three more. Oh. Um, what if they? Uh, what year did the Astros make it in the NL? Yeah. Oh, I got one. How about the San Diego Padres? No, that's wrong. No. What years are you counting the Astros making it? In, didn't they make it in like 2000 something, and then they moved over the AL? You are correct. That's the other one. That's 2005. 
Um, did the Brewers at one point make it? No. The last time they made it was in like the 80s. Um, so Mets, Connor is killing this. He Mets, doesn't get asked very many <laughs> questions, too. Mets, Marlins, Diamondbacks, Astros, Ben. Some contribution would be nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, There's a big one. I also said one more. I was at five. There's, two, there's seven. We were, were at five. Um, it's, it's not the Pirates. Who did the White Sox beat? Oh, no. They beat the – who did the White Sox beat? That's 2005. Okay. Who did the Angels beat? That was the Giants. Yeah, it's not that. I knew that. It's not the Giants. Um, the Rockies never went, did they? Yeah, the Rockies. Another one. Yes. Yep. Wow. I'm surprised you haven't gotten. Oh, and Nationals. We got Rockies, Nationals. We need one more. That was the other one. This uh, is the most surprised. I thought this one would have been the first one you said, actually. I mean, I guess recency bias oh no it's not them i was gonna say the phillies but they went two years in a row um is it the it's not the braves braves didn't make it the world series this century i know okay so it's in the east we already got all the teams in the east we got nationals did it mets did it, it. feels so stupid marlins did it braves didn't the central the pirates haven't done it the reds haven't the reds have not let's say this the red you're, you're gonna get it soon. Oh my god! Oh, it's the, it's the Cubs! It's the Cubs! Oh, it's the Cubs! <laughs> really? You forgot about them after 108 years? Yeah. Yeah. You guys, you that guys makes a lot of sense because I usually forget about the Cubs. So to give it a little bit more context, the teams that did go back multiple times are the Giants four times, the Phillies twice, the Cardinals four times, and the Dodgers three times now. So a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of teams making it back. Not a lot of changes. The 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 American League not so interesting. I think there's only two teams here that have not been to the World Series. Yep, there's only. Yeah, we don't. Have to talk. Oh, that have only. Oh, they haven't been at all. Yeah, we we know. No, they haven't. That they've only made it one time since in the last twenty years. Oh. It's Angels, White Sox, and Indians, or the Tribe. I like to call them the Tribe. The Indians, whatever. Yeah. Everyone else has has gone back. So that was a little. That was a little fun. That was fun. Kind of threw me through. Yeah. Nerve. What's What's your final thought? My final thought. Um. So, as we're getting closer to winter and flu season. I would like to remind everyone to wash their hands and please stay healthy because I would like to have a spring season of my sport and all sports in general. And I would like to stay healthy. So that's my final thought. That was, that was almost really nice of you to say that for everybody. Then you had to make it about yourself again, huh? I'm a selfish guy. That's your thing. If you, all right. if you haven't already heard it, check out the ending to the last podcast. Just uh, Also, also uh, follow us. Instagram, Twitter, interact with us on the social medias. Um, yeah, be wa- waiting, watching out for that live stream. It's share, please, please try to get our listens up.
please. Um, next pod together. It's going to be a ton of fun, boys. There again. All right. We out. <laughs>